Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Well, Kent, you owe someone a hundred dollars because uh, we didn't get that water. Episode Actually, up. we agreed that you would uh, consume the cat crap uh, coffee, and since we have no coffee. I will uh, stop by my cat's litter box for you this evening, and no, I don't think they will have any. Would you like to provide me with like a little seed sample bag that I can? No, look, uh, if if you ain't got the cat crap to make my coffee, then oh, I got the. You'll cat have crap. to come up with a hundred dollars. <laughs> we can make it into coffee if we need to. <laughs> Welcome back to Might be a little grainy. The Prairie Farm Podcast. Uh, uh, cat poop coffee sounds horrible. You know what? Coffee is not horrible. Wild Rivers Coffee. Wild Rivers Coffee. In fact, not only is it not horrible. It's delicious. Yeah, it's good. I need a new bag. It's good. My friends tried it. Uh, and like I was saying, I had uh, I had people, or I have coffee coming in for my friends to taste to figure out what's going to be our house blend. And so I said, hey, while you're at it, like try this uh, Wild Rivers Coffee. And they loved it. Put it right mm. up there with some of the top tiers that we had bought. And we bought some expensive stuff to have them taste. And uh, Wild Rivers... Not nearly as expensive as that expensive stuff. Yeah. I loved it. So, but uh, my next bag that I'm getting, I'm going to get in the whole bean uh, because I, we grind our uh, coffee. I just think, uh, I don't know, I just kind of like grinding my own coffee a little bit. And I have a funny story about grinding coffee. Okay. So, it's super, super dry in our house right now. Yeah. Can't go straight to the cat litter box. <laughs> Grinds are up. No, sorry. No, uh, it's super dry in our house right now, which means for more static electricity in the surrounding environment, right? And uh, one of the ways that you can create, or not really create, but but like generate a transfer of electrons in a, in a environment like that is through friction, right? Like rubbing your feet on the floor and then touching your uh, sibling and shocking them, right? Yep, as we do. Um, well, so you... Grind, you know, grinding coffee, there's a lot of friction in the coffee grinder, right? So when those grounds come through into the container on the grinder, there, like, there is so much static electricity in that little container. Yeah. And, like, one of the most annoying things is when you pull that drawer open, like, it, you know, remember those, like, classic pranks where, like, someone opens the can and, like, all these, like, little you know, spring loaded snakes or something come flying out of the yeah. can. That's literally what happens. Like all oh, with coffee grinds with, co- with thousands of coffee grounds. They're just like, your whole like, cat, like little, your whole house. It's just like, this, like, like cat poop. poof right off, right uh. out of the. So anyways, my wife didn't believe me that, that this was going on. And, uh, so it happened to me like last week, I thought I cleaned it up. Evidently I did. I missed a few thousand grounds underneath something <laughs> and like under the toaster or something, wherever they landed. And my wife's like, you left a huge mess. I'm like, it's not my fault. I thought I cleaned it up. It's just, they like the, the static electricity, yada, yada. And she kind of like, didn't believe me. Well, she got home from work Monday morning. So yes, I know kind of cruel of me. She just worked all night and I pulled a prank on her, but, uh, I could tell that the coffee that I ground was going to do that again. Like I could see like the little thing just like hovering in there, you know, like electricity just like flowing or, you know, like down inside the coffee. I'm like, Hey, uh, Kate, can you, uh, 
can you put the coffee in the, because we have like a Chemex thing. Can you put the coffee in the filter for me? I'm going to go start my truck. And I like peer on the corner as I watch. <laughs> and and it happened. And I what, was so What did she do? Uh, she was very annoyed at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt so vindicated and so validated. But uh, <laughs> uh, Ken being right all the way into the marriage counselor's office. <laughs> Hey, but you gotta take your W's. You know that's right. <laughs> Speaking of not of not taking W's, though, um, there's an opinion piece that came out last week in the Wall Street Journal, and I'm always cautious. A on opinion pieces, and B on. Uh, I'm glad you didn't say two. I thought you were gonna say two. A uh, on opinion pieces and two. Yeah, that's a classic right there. Um, B, the other thing that I'm cautious on is criticism of alternative energy sources um, because I think there's a lot of sentiments, let me just call it what it is, maybe even propaganda that's thrown out there into the, you know, into the white noise, I guess, into the medium to uh, dilute, like, the excitement on, on like, new energy sources right so think of like a lot of the criticisms for you know solar or for wind or for nuclear or for you know so but saying all that there are some legitimate concerns within and legitimate criticisms right yeah like like uh you know for the the wind industry you know there is a huge fossil fuel footprint and getting a windmill in the ground mm-hmm. and those those windmills those turbines do not have a lifetime. crazy long lifespan yeah. you know so well that's what they so say i don't, I don't but they I also don't, get a stipend <clears throat> if they replace them right? right so there could be perfectly well used windmills that you know no longer getting the grant money so they replace right. them yeah subsidies yeah there's yeah. there's and so I don't know well enough. We need to we need to do it. We've been talking about this for over a year. We need to do an energy episode, maybe even a series at some point. Yeah. Um it sounds complicated. But it does. But um point being it's not it's probably not as like kumbaya hunky dory and energy use and savings town, right? Um there's there's real I guess you could say latent costs, energy costs in even going to some of those things. Well, there was this article. <clears throat> the article is titled, this was sent to me by my brother-in-law, Ben, who, Ben, we're coming to see you soon. Yeah. Uh, we're going to speak at uh, your Rotary Club. But um, uh, the title is called The Electric Vehicle Cheating Scandal. So right there, it's kind of like, you know, like, what's this going to be? Um, but article is pretty good. I did some other research on it. And as best as I can tell, like there's there's not a lot of other articles out there on it. There are some. Um, it is a pretty new thing, though. This article just came out last week, so there'll probably be a little catch up time on, you know, whistleblower other whistleblowers jumping on here. But basically, it's saying that um, there's a oh uh, wait pause. Speaking of whistleblowers, have you ever seen the movie The Informant? I can't remember if I have the or not. guy that that is based off of. I'm going to go see him. Oh, nice. speak. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Richard Simmons. 
No. Just, <laughs> Who's Richard Simmons? He's the old like exercise guy who wore like the uh, uh, Zubaz pants I, and I stuff I don't like know that. about stuff from the 1930s, Look up Richard dude. Simmons right now while I'm talking. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Keep going. Anyways, for all of you who have a sense of humor, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, so the uh, Department of of uh energy i believe is the... oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> this guy this this the, the will ferrell looking dude oh my goodness all he's right a classic he's Keep... a he's a 1980s 1990s uh staple i am about to go to a 1990s surprise birthday party so maybe i'll dress well, up as richard simmons there you go uh i just gave you your idea so uh it's the energy department okay not the department of energy energy department they uh you know they have they're allowed to make certain you know, regulations and so forth on, on, uh, as far as subsidies go, especially for this it, concerning like, uh, electric vehicle manufacturing, when they make a new electric vehicle and they test it for all the different specs, of course, one of those is, okay, what is your EV equivalent to a miles per gallon efficiency on this vehicle? Right. And so they have a conversion of, of electrical energy to uh, fuel, you know, how so uh, uh, the conversion is for one gallon of fuel is equivalent to so many kilowatts of electricity, right? And so how many miles can this, can this vehicle go on that number of, of uh, yeah. kilowatts of electricity, right? Makes yeah. Sense. So, <clears throat> That's fine. You know, like that's good. That's test that's tested in a lab. This article talks about that. Like to find that that value, yeah. they test it. Okay. But the the um energy department kind of the so the wording here is after somebody noticed, like, hey, what what is this? This is how uh the energy department worded it after they got caught adding a multiplier. I'm going to go back and explain the multiplier. I know I'm being kind of vague there, but I'm going to come back to it. And this is how they, they stated it as said in the, the article. It said, after environmental groups pointed out the illegality of the charade of adding this, this multiplier in there, the energy department proposed eliminating the 6.67 <clears throat> multiplier for electric cars, recognizing that the number lacks legal support, that's quote quoted, and has, quote unquote, no basis. So the energy department, let's go back to it. They said when you are applying for, for or like when you're sending in your specs to find out what is your fuel efficiency compliance rating. Yep. They want vehicle new vehicles need to be at a certain level or you will have to your consumer that's buying it will essentially have to pay an offsetting excise tax mm -hmm. is how i understand it if i'm wrong somebody reach out uh at time of purchase and if your vehicle does if it exceeds that compliance rating then you get so much of that compliance not subsidy. the person who buys it the company who made the it. Manufacturer, the manufacturer. So, so the manufacturer has no risk there. Right. And so what they did was they, the energy department said, okay, whatever that lab number you got for your, your miles per gallon efficiency rating, 
you get to multiply that by 6.67. And uh, it was just like an arbitrary thing. Yeah. So, you know, you get like, let's say you got an MPG of, just because it's an easy number, we'll say your MPG rating was 100. That that electric car is equivalent of 100 miles per gallon gas car. Yeah. You get to now say, actually, it gets 667 miles per gallon. And no one knows where the six, like, it's not based in science. Right. And so people saw that and they're like, what? What is this? And so then they were instantly like, oh, yeah, what is that? And uh, (laughs) they just got rid of it. So what's the point of bringing all this up? I think EVs are great. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not against EVs. I do think that criticism against, like, maybe how the batteries are manufactured what's the latent energy costs still in manufacturing those vehicles? What's the latent energy costs in generating the electricity for the charging stations to charge your EV? I think those are, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's some, some, some truth to those, to those concerns. But I think it's a, we're just in the early days of getting into something that could be really good down the road. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for EVs. Yeah. However, when stuff like this happens, you're, when you're trying to get people to buy in on a new way of thinking or a new way of spending money, and you do stuff like that, you ruin trust, and you need yeah. trust to have buy-in. Yeah. And I think it's just a reminder, you know, not just to the EV world out there, but to every aspect of the conservation space i use the phrase all the time that we're always fighting from our back and that's true like you're you're having to prove yourself right you're having to prove what you say is is right and good and uh when there's scandals like that it just makes it so much harder yeah everyone rolls their eyes at oh you're saving the world with your yeah with your your solar power and your batteries and your electric vehicles and you know let me hear it you know let me hear about that scam once more mm-hmm. you know and that just it's just damaging to everybody man that is interesting the the ev space i know like the well my uncle has uh, a tesla and he says that it gets monetarily it gets equivalent to about 175 miles to the gallon um now that might catch up like if everyone was driving an ev that power would be more expensive Mm. but like big companies are good at moving their money around so so i wouldn't be surprised if it was you know equivalent to getting that good of uh miles to the gallon in terms of energy but then on the flip side someone else was that worked in power was a ceo of a power company that i uh, friends with and they were like uh they were saying hey that's all good and dandy for five percent of the population having teslas but uh, if 80% had an EV, he said, well, then you just have to burn the fossil fuels in order to get that power. Like then instead of burning the gas in your vehicle, you'll just burn it somewhere else. And yeah. now I, I don't know the science behind it. I know here's a couple things. One, I know storing energy is like crazy inefficient. Mm. So that's why like batteries are, are so mm-hmm. important, so difficult to make. And, um, but two, Hard I, to get away from that first law of thermodynamics. Yeah. And second law, for that matter. Uh, two, a very... I mean, you're fighting against oil companies, dude. So the perception 
I find myself like, what is real? You know, like what, yeah. what articles are telling me the truth? Right. What big uh, oil company is a parent company to this smaller local, you know, news source? I don't know. Or, um, for instance, I know farmers really don't like EVs because it's connected to their livelihood. You know, they grow yeah, corn. And, but yeah, part of that price is. And, and these are kinks that have to be worked out and there will be pain and there will be frustration. And, uh, and that's just when the world is shifting, that's how it goes, right? Because if you... Yeah. Like, for instance, AI, people saying AI are going to take a lot of lawyers' jobs. Maybe, maybe, but but if everyone was a lawyer right now, stayed a lawyer, and then we just had less lawyers come into the job field because there was less demand, um, then the math ends up working out. But what you got to be careful of is you could really impersonalize people's stories. Um, uh, and I know marginalized is a really scary thing right now, but... If you have a system, there is a margin. End of story, there will always be a margin. So you either have chaos and there's no margin and everything's horrible and anarchy, or you have systems in place and people get marginalized and there's there's no perfect method. I yeah. you know that we can get as close as we can, but it's just tough. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, a diversified energy portfolio is what we'll always come back to as being like the the- I've given the answer on this podcast so many times. The perfect answer is to put a nuclear power plant plant on the moon and just ship batteries back and forth. Uh, you get rid of all the. I something. do not understand <laughs> what are people in Washington doing right Happened now to that fusion going on at the core of super giant stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why can't we just do that? Well, speaking of electricity, I need to make a run to uh, Gritters to you drop gotta go. off our uh, compressor motor, but we also need to state something that our good friend judd yeah i was just gonna say that can i you want me to read it i'll pull it up so if you remember last time we talked about tractors uh and combines and right to repair and we talked about one specific small part of it was we had said like i don't understand how they're making it work i don't understand how well it's not i wouldn't even say it's a small part of it because it does really shed light on the whole picture like it's a really big fact no no no. but i mean a small part is in we didn't talk about it very long in the last podcast oh yeah but the, I mean, it kind of colors the whole conversation in my, yeah my, but the my mind um the small part being um dealers are leasing combine big combines and tractors for a few years and then the, the farmer turns it back in and then they get a new one you know and so it's like our dealer and just like a car dealers or just like a car when you drive that tractor or combine off the lot that's when it's going to lose the most value so who's eating that value probably the dealer and that's what we were saying i I didn't see it being sustainable and this is what our good friend judd said um note from last week's coffee time wednesday as i understand it and this was told to him by someone who works closely in the ag industry. Uh, These leases on equipment or specifically combines are structured so that big corp farms get the new, new, like not even someone owning it, you know, big, big 15,000 acre um, going or, you know, big companies that go on uh, combine runs throughout the whole state. uh, They get the new, new middle crop farm gets big corp farm hand-me-downs at a discount. And then a small corp family owned farm or family farm gets that hand me down. Everyone knows who their next combine is coming from. So if a dealer only deals to big corporate farms, 
You know, they're getting it straight from John Deere. Then they give it to the big corp farms. Then the big corporate farm gives it back to them. Then they sell it to another dealer who primarily works with middle uh, middle line farmers. And I'm my guess is that he's the tiers he's talking about is fifteen thousand acre and above, five to you know ten maybe ish fifteen ish thousand, uh, and then below five. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd say maybe not quite that big, but maybe. Well, because big corporate farm you don't hear about them because they're not family names and in right, remember yeah. in this part of Iowa we've talked about in this podcast we had a local bank that held on to our farmers so we actually have more quote unquote small farmers here than is normal northwest Iowa mm. psh, good luck finding a farm less 3000 acres is, that'd be wild um because they didn't have banks that held on to them anyway so everyone knows who their next combine is coming from so there is a level of accountability and trust between the dealership and the farmers to make that system work basically you can't crap on this combine and turn it in you know there's kind of an understanding hey you're going to treat this well i'm going to pay you or i'm i'm going to give it to you for a a good price you know a fair price um that keeps the backlog of idle equipment down and the cost of new equipment up and frankly this is a really good system you know where we should use this system more baby clothes I've got a oh, bunch yeah. of friends. I've got a bunch of friends who got babies, and I'm not criticizing. You know, their their parents get excited. They buy baby clothes stuff, and then all of a sudden, all my friends together could fill ten rooms, fill just baby clothes, and your baby can only wear the clothes for like two weeks. Now take that, but instead of a seven dollar shirt, you're talking about a seven hundred thousand dollar combine. I like that we're getting that much use out of it, dude. The hand me down system did not just end when I hit like 19 months old when I was a kid. Let me just tell you that I had like. <laughs> names written on the inside of my clothes that good from, from cousins that were like 25 years older than me <laughs> good dude that that's <laughs> oh, how we yeah, should be. that's cool i didn't know it was 70s day today shut up <laughs> that's how we should be using our resources we should be used like like native americans uh were able to uh use full parts of nature we should be able to do that with our resources yeah anyway gotta kent's go. gotta go i gotta go see all you right guys see you guys